four, three. Fuck it. There's no, there's no words That's on it. Tomorrow. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Because I've never seen that. Fucking thing sucks. There's no words there. Fuck it. There's no, there's no words That's on it. Live episode 20 fucking 7. Today we're talking LA shit. <laughs> I think I saw Masonic in the chat. What up, Masonic Compton in the house? We're gonna talk LA shit. How to fucking how we operated our shop in LA today. And I bought this shop on Craigslist, 60 racks, cash. Jumped on an airplane, went to LA, bought it on Craig's, had no fucking clue what the fuck I was doing. And bought a shop in LA, and I'm going to tell you all about that fucked up, crazy experience. Like a straight white boy from Des Moines, Iowa, buying a shop in fucking Fairfax and Pico, uh, and how that how that played out. <laughs> but right off the top of the show, if you're here early, you already know what the fuck we're gonna do. Today we're giving away a fuck ton of seeds. I just said fuck it. How about a thousand bucks worth of seeds? So to do that, we're gonna have to give away three packs. I don't even, I don't really know what I want to do. Uh, let's do this one, Super Soldier Serum. So, yeah, this is a kitchen sink number one to the Thanos. But we're going to give three people these shits. So, three packs. Let me get these fuckers out of here. Trace packs um, to win these fucking things. Let's put the email on the screen. Free shit email. Scrolling across your screen right now. So yeah, you gotta email Nuggets. Nuggets. We're gonna do the tenth, the twentieth, and the thirtieth person to email Nuggets in the subject line. That is Denver Nuggets, and uh, you'll win them packs for free. So yeah, that's three of them right off the jump. Three hundred bucks. Let's do another three. All right. Good luck on those. Next one. Let's do Element Z. Element Z. This is one's one of my favorites right now. Skittles, Thanos, fucking all kinds of Skittles up in this family tree. Uh, three of these bitches. If you want to do these, you have to write the I love the Z. I love the Z. And we're going to pick the uh, 5th, 10th, and 15th. So that quick. Oh no, it's free shit email scrolling across your screen. 
Don't miss out. If you won in the last two or three shows, you can't win again. So don't be a bitch and trying to fucking suck it all up for all these people. Make it hard on me having to fucking go through and double check. Just fucking wait two or three shows. You know, we give out mad shit on this, so just chill. It's coming. All right, so there's three more packs, Element Z going out. So that's 600 bucks. Um, we'll give away two more real quick. Let's do the runts. Runts. I say it correctly. Two more of these. Uh, this one is uh, Gelato 33, Thanos. You already sh know what's up with that one. Knock your dick in the dirt shit right here. Uh, two of these. Caesar, what's the code word? He's he's tongue tied on the children, but you got nothing. Fucking Caesar loves OG. No. That's what happens when Caesar doesn't have a fun code word. Caesar loves OG, coming in hot. The this one will be for the replay value, folks. How about the twentieth and fortieth person? We're averaging about a hundred people trying this shit. So uh, good luck, folks. But there's two more packs. That's eight packs. That's eight hundred bucks. I think. That's what we, yeah, we did eight hundred bucks. So uh, two more packs at the end of the show. But uh, what are we talking about today? Oh, I can't read these comments because I got my fly-ass Nuggets shit on today. On IG. But uh, yeah, what are we talking about today? Uh, like I said, California. Fucking Los Angeles. Starting a dispensary. 2014. Um, I got a wild hair up my ass that I was just like... Well, I'll tell you exactly why I decided to do a shop in LA. Somehow, way, it came across my, my plate or my brain that the city of LA has 4 million people in it. And the state of Colorado has 4 million people in it. So I was just like, you're telling me there's as many people in the entire state of Colorado as in the fucking metropolitan city of Los Angeles? I'm like, we do pretty fucking good in, in Denver or Colorado. And people drive from all over Colorado to buy our products. This is when we had you know, a shop going. And I was just like, if they'll drive six, seven hours in Colorado to come buy our weed, I was like, let's just get a shop in the center of LA. And I'm pretty sure we can crush it. So where do you buy a shop when you don't know anybody in L.A. and you don't know how to buy a fucking shop? Uh, you get on a fucking Craigslist and you look for fucking stores for sale. So I flew out there and I looked at like three or four shops. I didn't know fuck all, dude. I didn't know anything about a good area. I didn't know shit about the city of L.A., how anything worked out there. And um, I settled on a shop on Pico because Pico was kind of like the Green Mile. If, if, you, if you're from Denver, you know Broadway's like a long stretch of shops. Well, in L.A., Pico is sort of like the Green Mile in L.A., and it's just a long stretch of cannabis shops or whatever. So I was like, put me right in the middle of that shit, and let's, let's compete. And anyway, I walked in, and I bought a shop. It's kind of funny, actually. So how do you take $60,000 through TSA, you might wonder, and to buy a fucking dispensary cash? Uh, I, you do it fucking with your chest puffed out. I don't fucking know. The funny thing about that is, is like, I, I didn't give a fuck. I just walked through, and yeah, they asked what's up with this huge fucking brick of money all in 20s and other thing else, and I was like, it's my fucking money. I'm going to buy a shop. I was just did blunt, honest as fuck. Didn't give a shit. I looked at him like, what are you, what are you fucking going to do about it? Like, I'm going to go buy this store and have a good afternoon. Give, give me the money back, and they didn't say a word, honestly. It was just something about the confidence and the bravado of like, yeah, that's my fucking money. Put it back. I'm on my way to do a transaction, and no one said a fucking word after that, but anyway... You show up to L.A., um, I had my buddy come with me who didn't really know, I mean, he knew me, but it, it was just kind of funny because I was like, yo, I'm about to do a transaction for 60000 I don't know if we're going to get robbed. So I was like, I'm not certainly going to walk in this store with 60000 cash in my backpack and be like, I'm here to buy your store. 
So I was like, you're going to wait in the car around the block, and I'm going to go in and do this transaction. And then when I call you on the phone, you're going to come in with the money, and we're going to you know, complete this transaction. So I went in the shop, you know, made nice, did the little talk or whatever. And it's like, all right, you know, he's got the money. I was like, yeah, I'll have him, I'll have him pull up right now and bring it in. So we don't know shit about LA. And I didn't explain to the guy exactly what shop I was buying. So dude jumps out of the car with 60 racks, walks into the wrong fucking dispensary on Pico. <laughs> and he's like, I'm here to, uh, you know, I'm here to meet Jason. And, uh, I got, the, I, got the, I got the stuff for him here or whatever. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, I have 60,000 fucking dollars in my bag to buy the shop. What are you talking about? They're like, you're in the wrong fucking store. So, yeah, he had to turn around and walk out of the fucking wrong store into the right store. So off to a fantastic fucking start in Los Angeles. But, uh, yeah, we ended up buying the shop. Oh, we can take the free shit off the screen. That's long been over. But uh, we ended up buying the shop and uh, starting it up. Like It was already a pre-existing shop. So when you talk about... Um, like how shops worked in LA. There, jeez. Um, basically, this was all pre-ICO shit or whatever. This is before there was like real licenses. So all you needed was a sales tax license and balls, and you could go sell weed. And I look at it like load up the fucking time machine because I'm from Denver, where you know, like we did this shit. It was like going back like six, seven, eight years in the past because that's how all the Denver dispensaries ran and operated. So I was like, oh, you're telling me L.A. operates like the golden days of Denver? Well, then I'm going to go back to L.A. and try that shit again. So, yeah, we just fired her fucking up. And uh, when we went out there, like I said, I, the funny thing about buying a shop off a guy is when you're about to buy it, he's going to tell you, like, how good the shop is and everything that's great about it, blah, blah. He's going to not tell you all the fucking problems that's going on with the shop or whatever. But uh, he's also, you know, I don't know anybody in L.A. to buy weed from. So I'm just like, all right, this shouldn't be that hard, right? I'll just grow my own weed out here and fucking start buying good weed from the community or whatever. And it was the guy that I bought the shops from was like, yeah, just hit me up. I'll I'll show you where to get product or whatever. So I would say, I don't know, a day or two after buying the shop and he's paid, he stopped answering my calls because why would he? There's no incentive for this dude to help me run my business after he sold his business to me. And I was just sort of like, damn, I'm not going to get any assistance out here. So I had to go to Weed Maps, go to Craigslist, go to you know friends of friends trying to figure out ways to find product to fill the store or whatever and that was always an adventure and i always paid top price because i was the new dude in town and everything else but uh, we always had you know decent weed in the shop and it it worked all right we redesigned the shop and had it going i would say relatively quick one thing about that shop was in my mind and no offense to any bud tenders out there watching this but in my mind i was just like i don't fucking I was like, I don't need a bud tender. A bud tender's fucking stupid. When I walk into a shop, I already know what the fuck I want to buy. I already know the flavors. I already, I've already smoked their weed generally in the past. I just want to walk in and get me a fucking eighth, a quarter, an ounce, or whatever, get the fuck out of there. I'm annoyed by bud tenders. So I was like, in my LA store, these people know what's up. I'm literally just going to start a shop up and put in vending machines. So when you walk in, you just buy weed out of a vending machine. I have a security guard there to the left that checks IDs and shit. But the whole store is basically you trust the weed's good because you bought it 100 times before. Just buy it out of a vending machine and get the fuck out of there. And you can do it on your lunch break. You can do it real quick or whatever. Well, that was mistake number one. The city of L.A. loves bud tenders. And it's a different vibe out there. So uh, the, the dab bar is a huge fucking thing. We could smoke weed in these shops, right? So it was just like, fuck it. Like, let's set up a dab bar. So we started selling dabs for like $5 a hit or some shit out of our, you know, we had like four hitmans and an Illadelf and all kinds of shit and you could sit up there and take dabs or whatever. And uh, that led to an interesting environment in the store because we had, I don't know exactly when all the gang members started showing up, 
<laughs> but the gang members started showing up because they would have their their meetings in the in the shop every morning at the dab bar, and they were literally like doing roll call and fucking like the VP of the shot callers of this you know this little set would come in and have dabs, and this was their homie hangout or whatever the fuck. And I you know I didn't live in LA, so I was commuting all the fucking time back and forth trying to make sure the shop's going okay. It's hard to start a shop, so any customers, you're like, cool, let's get customers in this bitch, you know what I mean? And we have people hanging out at the dab bar all fucking day long, hitting dabs or whatever. It was like, all right, well, the dab bar thing's sort of working, but it didn't take long before I learned about the city of L.A. and the culture there and, you know, what what city life is like in L.A. And, you know, I don't know fuck all about gangs. I don't know fuck all about, you know, growing up in the hood. I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. I mean, if you can imagine what the fuck that's like, like, I mean, I moved there out of kindergarten into Colorado, but still, I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. I'm as fucking farm-bred white boy as it comes. Move into the inner city of L.A., block or two off where they fucking shot Biggie or whatever. Um, and uh, I was just sort of like, how does this work? The, apparently, I come to find out that it was very close to a cut line, like Fairfax and Pico or the cross line of where the Crips and Bloods had different territories. I still don't know to this day how the shit works, but it was close too, so... There was a lot of violence at that particular area relating to these two kind of gang sets that were coming in together or whatever. And then me finding out that all these dudes use my shop as their hangout, my first logical thing is like, oh, great, we're going to get a drive-by up in here any fucking moment. I was like, we can't have colors in the shop. The shop has nothing to do with affiliations to any gangs or, you know, there was, there was lighthearted extortion attempts and shit from people in the hood. But these gang members were 14 fucking years old. A lot of them, I mean, not in the store at the time smoking, but that was sort of their crew out front. And the older dudes, which were 18 or whatever, were running the younger dudes. And it blew my fucking mind at how young some of these fucking people were. I was like, oh, this is, this is ingrained into society, into culture, into your street, into your block, into how this goes. But I remember one story I want to talk about briefly was these guys were coming in the shop, and I honestly befriended them. I mean, I'm not trying to have beef with these dudes, but at the same time, I'm not trying to have them use my shop as some sort of fucking hangout cover or whatever the fuck. So uh, uh, I kind of befriended him, but this dude comes in the shop one day, fucking bleeding from his leg. And I'm just like, what the fuck happened here, bro? And he's like, I got shot, dude. I'm like, you got shot? So yeah, I just got shot. I was sitting at the bus stop, and they shot me. And I'm like, go to the fucking hospital. And he's like, I can't, bro. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't go to the fucking hospital? He's like, if I go to the hospital, I go to jail. And I'm like, you got shot. You did nothing wrong. You're sitting at the bus stop. He's like, no, it was a drive-by. They shot me because of my colors. And if I go to the hospital, then they're going to fucking arrest me for having colors and fucking t gang tattoos and blah, blah, blah. And I go to jail or whatever for getting shot. So all these dudes are fucking won't even get medical attention and shit. Anyway, this guy kept a bullet in his leg for fucking, I don't know, two months maybe. He would come to the shop every fucking day and I was like, let me see your leg. And I watched that shit fester and get more fucked up and more fucked up and more fucked up every fucking day. And I was like, dude, you literally. And he told me, he's like, well, I got shot. And now that I can't fucking move, I lost my corner. I can't push. If I don't have my corner, I don't know what the fuck to do. He's like, I'm all fucked up. And he's looking to me, like, for advice. And that was the fucked up thing about this shop is, like, there was a barbershop on the corner. And, you know, we let people smoke in our shop. So I remember going down and getting my hair cut from the barbershop, dude. And he was like, man, I just want to let you know I really appreciate what you do for this neighborhood, letting all these kids come into the shop, smoke weed in the shop in a safe place, because they used to be running all up and down the street smoking weed, and it was crazy violent and everything else. And when he told me that, I was like, well, I appreciate that, but what the fuck am I doing right now? 
for real. Am I literally trying to create a safe space for fucking gang members to get high? Because that wasn't the plan when I came to LA and dropped 60 racks on this stupid fucking shop. So it was sort of like, what the fuck's going on right now? But I do remember talking to the guy, kind of counseling him in some sense, being like, why can't you jump in a car, a bus, a Greyhound, or whatever, and get the fuck out of here? One second. Fucking, that just went off. But uh, yeah, and it, that was his whole thing. It's like he'd never been out of the city of LA, couldn't leave the city of LA, wouldn't leave the city of LA. And I'm sitting here looking at him being like, bro, you are an entrepreneur. You need to be an entrepreneur. You can't sit here on the fucking corner the entire time or whatever, blah, blah, and uh, you know, expect to make something out of yourself. It, it was just weird to me to counsel these guys who had very low education, lots of drive, lots of skills, but at the same time, they were just stuck in this rut. And I saw it for the first time in my life, like how it really is. You know, and I was just like, all right, fuck. I've seen colors. I've seen Hollywood bullshit. But I was just like, you know, movie colors ain't nothing like what it really is out there. And it was fucking crazy. But to wrap all that up, the reason I, you know, one of the reasons we got into it a little bit sideways with the with the Playboy Crips, which was the set or whatever, was because we kind of asked them to leave, you know, in the politest way possible. We told them they could shop, but I decided to take away the dab bar because that was essentially creating all the, all the problems. It was just like... Uh, you know, like, w it's not a hangout. It's, you buy your weed and get the fuck out of here, that, you know? So by taking away the dab bar, took away the ability just to sit around and loiter or hang, and then it was, you can't stay in the shop more than 10 minutes, the big loitering signs, blah, blah. So move them in, move them out. And uh, that sort of pissed off these dudes because they wanted to hold down the shop or whatever the fuck, and, you know? It came to a point where under no certain, you know, terms or words or whatever, mince words, I basically told them, you know, buy and leave. You're not hanging out in here anymore, guys. We're not smoking in here, you know, blah, blah. And that turned into, we put a hit out on you, homie. And I'm going, how serious should I take a fucking uh, hit from a fucking 14-year-old fucking gangster? You know what I mean? Like, you know, or whatever the fuck their little soldiers are out there. And to be honest, I took it fucking serious because I what the fuck do I know? And is any of this shit worth what the fuck I'm actually doing out here? Like, it just wasn't really worth it or whatever. So, of course, we called in the fucking, the boss of that shit who's some 18-year-old, 20-year-old dude and basically, you know, smat or squashed it or whatever the fuck. But I was just sort of like, you know, there's no disrespect here. But at the same time, you know, you guys can't take over this whole spot. And really, in the end, it just turned out to being... Me and the elder statesmen of that crew saw eye to eye, and some of the guys that worked for me too, which were sort of LA guys, saw eye to eye with those dudes too. And before you knew it, those dudes were now like unofficially protecting our shop. So it was a weird scenario. But did I have any clue that I moved into the city of LA to sell some fucking Bruce Banner eights that I was moving into such a weird fucking territory and a weird fucking deal? It was just a fucking totally different, wild world that I've ever fucking introduced myself into. But uh, let's talk briefly about like the differences between the shop, let alone the culture of the cities, but the differences between the shops there and the shops in Colorado, where shops in Colorado was like, you know, like I said, people would drive like eight hours to come buy some fucking, buy some high quality cannabis or whatever. People in LA, as I come to learn, and myself included, they won't drive fucking anywhere, and I don't blame them. LA traffic is fucking brutal and dumb. So you're, when you get a shop in LA, you're getting a shop for that neighborhood. And the neighborhoods are entirely, like, it's a community, small set communities, because these people don't commute fucking all over the place. Fuck that. It takes four hours to get anywhere in fucking L.A. And that's something that I learned was, like, okay, I want to sell high dollar eights. I want to sell high quality pot. It's going to be $40, $50 an eighth, blah, blah. And the neighborhood 
which was a lower end, you know, neighborhood, lower end market neighborhood, wanted to buy fifteen dollar eights or twenty dollar eights and wanted lower end weed. And I remember buying high quality concentrates and putting them in the shop at like fifty a gram, and they were clear shatter before clear shatter was a thing, and it was just like all the rage, right? I mean, TLC and some of the bigger shops in LA that were just flying through this shit. Uh, so I get hooked up with the vendors, and I'm like, yeah, let me get in on some of these hot drops or whatever and put them in the shop. They sat there in those vending machines for fucking months because everybody wanted black soup fucking chatter because it was five bucks a dab or whatever the fuck, and I was just like, we have a lower-end clientele that I'm trying to bring up to the higher-end, but they don't even want to go to the higher-end, so it was like, oh, this is a tricky thing. Also surrounded by four or five shops, and all those shops are highly competitive, um, weed maps, the craziest thing about LA was weed maps drives everything or did drive everything out there. That's where your menu was. And uh, I mean, it was like two grand a month to be on weed maps. So you got to pay $2,000 a month to even be on this shit. And then you had to offer a first time deal, first time patient deal. So everybody in LA would shop from go up and down the green mile or whatever Pico going, what's your first time patient deal? First time patient deal. So they're trying to get a free gram out of every shop, just bouncing up and down the entire thing or whatever. And in Colorado, we just didn't experience that as much. We, we didn't have deals for the first time you went to a shop. That just kind of wasn't something I was used to. But I did notice that in California, there's a tons of deal shoppers, like super deal shoppers. Well, they will fucking hunt high and low and drive further than ever to get fucking something that's, you know, discounted or a free eighth or a free fucking pre-roll or a free whatever. So it was a little bit of a different culture there. Now, I do I believe if I would have stuck it out and tried to become a higher end shop and just put in premium products eventually that we would have been known as the place with really good weed in LA. Yeah. But it's a hard thing about starting a business in a city where it's like, look, I'm going to put in high end weed only. And if the neighborhood doesn't buy it, we go out of business. It was like, so I literally started trying to service both clientele. So I was like, look, we got the high end shit and we got the low end shit, which created a crazy demographic. Cause you got like everybody from gangsters to, you know, low-end, almost bums that were collecting money on the street and change to buy pre-rolls to come in, you know what I mean, to, we had some, I don't want to name drop a lot of celebrities, but we had like bitches from the hills and shit come to the shop. So it was like you have fucking Kardashian Paris Hilton types walking through to buy fucking weed next to fucking whatever, fucking set dudes and, and bum dudes. And it was like, it was a weird environment. Now, again, I don't, I'm not so sure that it would have lasted one way or the other, but we offered both for a while, and it, it's a weird demographic to to move to that to move to that city, try to service that clientele, and uh, also we'll move it right into growing. So we grew there, and uh, growing there was interesting because it's sea level ish, and I've always found it trickier to grow at sea level, dude. Um, like something about it makes it a little bit more like. It's the humidity, I guess. It's the humidity and the moisture content and everything else. It's not the actual growing of the product that always goes the same for me, essentially. But it's the dry harvest cure, you know, uh, keeping your product like, like at a good moisture consistency for a long period of time. Coming from Colorado, where it's super dry, moving to somewhere where, or not moving, but setting up a place or growing in a place where it's much more humid, uh, it was just a different, a huge gap there, or whatever. And I struggled with that a bit too is trying to figure that out. We also did a franchise in Seattle, which could be a whole other episode I might do one day and talk about how Seattle is versus all the rest of this shit. But uh, LA was an interesting one because of how sw swampy it was. Swampy, sweaty, like like smoggy kind of shit affected, I think, the, the quality of the cure. 
of the cannabis or whatever. But uh, as far as like strains people were into, I mean, LA has always been to me like the city of OG and they always have the most OGs. They always had the best OGs. Like if you want OG Kush, you've got to go to LA, Orange County, Southern California. These places have like the best fucking OG in my opinion. I mean, San Fernando Valley was fucking a great OG. It's just these, this is like the, it's not the birthplace. It's not any of that shit. It's just where it was curated the best for the longest. So to me, LA is the city of OG and I went there on a mission to find OGs and there was plenty of great OGs out there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would think that that city it's, I'm not going to say they have better weed or worse weed or Denver or Seattle or any of the other places have better or worse weed. It's just interesting on what takes a premium. So packaging in California is a premium. Like if you, you got to package your weed at a, like really fancy essentially to even make a dent. Where in Colorado, you can kind of get away with selling it in a fucking pop top with just a machine printed sticker on it or whatever the fuck. And it's been like that and kind of stays like that. So that's one thing I picked up being in both markets, learning what I can learn from both markets and then bringing the best parts of where I could find everywhere back to Colorado or our current operation because that's why we use our glass jars now. And the, the jars of weed we sell is almost a direct ripoff of how California sells their weed. It is a direct ripoff of how California sells most of their products or whatever. The jars, the graphic design, the marketing is almost superior to the quality of pot in, in California. Whereas Colorado... The marketing and design and graphic design and all the shit behind the strains is so far behind. We don't give a fuck about it. And maybe we should. We absolutely should because it helps. But uh, And I'm not going to say our weed's better, but our marketing sucks or whatever. It's not even that. It's just our marketing is nowhere near what it's like in L.A. And I think that's a that's a thing of L.A., city of Hollywood, where you know the billboards there are fucking 100 feet long by 100 feet wide. So it's just like, printing marketing all of that shit is serious like la culture culture vibe kind of thing but um how did the shop end let's just tell the story of la of the la shop so um when uh we ran it for a while and i say it was pre-ico we did there was there was a license that was called an ico license or pre-ico license which means you they were moratoriumed in you they were about a million dollars to get one and i think there was I don't even know, 100 or 200 in the city of L.A. that existed. When this, when L.A. kind of voted to change everything, they took away all those licenses, gave them first dibs, I believe, fucked a lot of those people. But uh, they essentially changed the way all that worked and reset it all and did like a reset to this new current model, which kind of sucks compared to the way it was. But the funniest thing about that to me was, and I'll go back to how it ended or whatever, but... In the city of Denver in 2011 or whatever, we had all these shops that were just operating off business licenses for 15 bucks. When the state said we're, sh- we're going with this regulation and shutting everything down, you have to have one of these licenses. Everybody shut down except for the people that had the licenses. In LA, when the city said you got to shut down unless you have one of these licenses, they just said fuck you and opened a million bodega style dispensaries all over the place. And they had crafty lawyers that were getting around the laws any way that they could and I remember when they would come and the cops would show up at the shop or whatever or call you or call your lawyer and say, hey, we're coming in to, you know, fuck with this place. You would shut down for three weeks, change your name, and then reopen. And that would put you on the bottom of the pile for the cops to go fuck with everybody on Pico. So it was this revolving door of, like, we know what's going on. We're going to come fuck with you. But as soon as we shut it down, 
then we will go away and it starts over and you had like a one two year window to do it and everybody in la was operating these crazy bodega shops that's kind of what we did too but it was interesting because when the licenses actually came i don't remember the exact year when all that shit passed but uh I knew the shop was done because I wasn't going to spend millions and millions of dollars to pull the, the correct licenses and get a huge grow and build it all out there. I only spent 60 in there. I was just trying to get a little bit back more back than I had put in, which we were able to do. But at the same time, I, you know, I, I'll never forget the day that the shop ended because uh, I was in Denver. I was at actually the warehouse in Colorado. I was exhausted. I jumped in the truck and I was getting ready to head home and the phone rang and I looked down and it was private number. And I fucking never, never answer fucking private numbers. I just don't. Like, to this day, I never answer private numbers. I don't know why. Nothing good comes from a private number, right? So I was just like, fuck it. But for some reason, I was compelled to just pick it up. And I picked it up, and I'm like, hello? And he's like, this is Jason Hulk? I was like, yeah. He's like, this is so-and-so with the the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. And I was just like, oh, fuck. Here it starts. He's like, I'm just letting you know that uh, you don't have the current licenses and we're going to be in your shop next Tuesday. If you don't have everything out of there and you're not gone and moved out, he's like, we will be arresting everybody and pressing charges and blah, blah. And I was just like, you know, one thing I learned about L.A., you don't fuck with the cops in L.A. That's the biggest gang in the city. And they will fuck you up happily. You don't want to go to jail in L.A. because that fucking, you know, that, you know, uh, city precinct or city jail is a fucking scary fucking place. So I was just like, yeah, that's all I fucking need is I have legitimate operations going all over the world in multiple spots. The half sketchiest one that I have going in L.A. that's sort of a bodega, I have a sheriff calling me on the phone telling me that I got, you know, four or five days to wrap her up. So, uh, yeah, that was that was essentially the, the end of it. You know, I mean, I, I had thought about putting it in someone else's name, changing the name, putting it back to the bottom of the pile, starting the whole process back over. But I was just sort of like, I'm kind of tired of this game. I'm not going to say that I failed in LA because I learned so much, but, and it was also sort of the end of the line when it was just like, look, you know, spend millions of dollars to proceed or get fucked with the entire time that you try to operate or whatever. So I was just sort of like, that's the end of the line for our LA journey. I had always thought let LA or let California get their legal market going for two, three, four, five years. Let someone fucking spend all the money it takes to build all that bullshit out, figure out their regulation. And then once everybody starts failing, I'll come scoop someone up on the cheap and fix that operation. I have no interest of getting in early and watching a state fucking change the rules 29 million times over. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, I've been through it before. I'm not going to do it again. So to answer anyone's question, are we ever coming back to California? Yeah, I believe we'll be back and we'll do it the right way with the licenses and everything else. But uh, yeah, it certainly won't be like the fucking open a shop, hang a banner, set it up on Fairfax and Pico and just fucking go for it like we did, you know, <laughs> the, the the one time. Um, I'll talk briefly about um, hiring. So this was funny to me. And uh, I mean, I, how do you hire for a shop when you don't know anybody in a city? You show up with a fucking checkbook and fucking put an ad on Craigslist and say you want to hire people for a dispensary. And I never got so many fucking replies to something in my life. We probably got a thousand fucking replies. Um, and uh, yeah, like it was all fucking um, everything you could think of all, all across the board. But a few people that stood out to me was 
tons of people who are just unqualified, but they just wanted to work into a weed dispensary and no disrespect to the ladies or anything, but it was the only time in my life I've ever had women come and offer basically sexual advances for a fucking position. It was crazy. I was just like, are you fucking shitting me right now? Like people wanted to work in a dispensary so fucking bad out there that they would really, really walk in back in the shop and be like, I will do fucking anything for this job. I will do anything right now. I will do it. And I'll be like, oh, that's cool. But can you tell me what the lineage is of, you know, fucking NYC diesel or something? And they'd be like, I don't know what lineage means, but I will do anything for this fucking job. And I was just like, well, I don't understand where you're coming from on this shit. Like, why do you want to work here so fucking bad, but yet you don't know anything about weed or whatever? So... It was crazy, and I ended up finding a really cool dude, a young cat. I mean, I hired a dude that was like 19, but I hired him. If you want to know how he cut through all the the riffraff of all those applicants or whatever, he I literally asked him about strains. I was like, do you know these lineages? And when he tell me the correct lineages of strains, and you know what I mean, he was from the Bay Area, so he definitely knew about good weed. And I was just like, all right, so you you follow me. You're on my vibe here. You understand what good weed is. All right, you get it you're hired and it was literally a gut thing hired him on the spot but we went through like 100 people it was one of the longest days of my life honestly it felt like a casting couch or something where i was just sitting there in the la shop smoking joints being like next and they'd come in and be like dude i'll do it I'll, whatever you want to say like what, what do i need to do right now i'm down to do it and i was just like oh my fuck like next like yeah so yeah it was wild um we've never had anybody that thirsty in denver to work <laughs> i'll say that much <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what the fuck else can I tell you about LA? That was crazy. We had an interesting scenario where I had like a, I don't want to really call any names into it or anything, but we had like a bit of a employee mutiny, if you will, where like I, it would kind of revolved around having like the thuggish gang member dudes hanging around the shop too much. And I had, to, I had a live feed from the camera. Oh, uh, we'll have to talk about that robbery attempt or whatever, but we had a live feed from the camera. And I remember kind of like, looking at the 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 shop being like yo there's too many like there's too much lingering going on in the shop there's too many people loitering in the shop i you know i know some of these people are your friends but you i don't want anyone hanging out in the shop any much longer or whatever got to tell everybody in there to go and i remember the employees were like you know these are my homies so they're hanging out and i was just like well you're on the fucking clock so they got to go and they're like F you know fuck it they're not going and i was like if they don't go then you go too and so i told my employee to leave i was like you go home i mean i'm not not dealing with this shit today if you're not going to listen to what i tell you to do then you just go home for the afternoon and we'll talk about it tomorrow and then i put the other employee on the phone i'm like Lil, listen to me yo like i'm sending so and so home shops on you for the next four or five hours you can close her up tonight and you know we'll talk about you know tomorrow or next day when i come out there and this employee goes you know uh, if you're sending so and so home then i'm going home too and I'm going, all right, fucking you go home too then. I don't really give a shit, you know. If you guys both want to go home, go home. But uh, like, And then I looked on the camera and they're not wanting to go home. They're sitting there smoking weed and chilling and I think they're sipping drinks or something. I was just like, everyone get the fuck out of my shop right now. So uh, I had to jump a flight, like buy a ticket right there, fucking get on a fucking airplane, fly out to L.A., collect keys, tell people to get the fuck out the store or whatever. So it's an interesting thing trying to run a shop being whatever, 1,000 miles away, 2,000 miles away. And all you have is a cell phone and a camera of a live feed. And you're just like, you know, you, if you don't want to listen to me, that's fine. But, you know, I'm still in control of this fucking operation. Um, briefly, we'll talk about the robbery slash bullshit attempt that was interesting. Because in the city of L.A. or in the shop in L.A., we had a double door set up, which is um, we don't have them. They're not too common anymore because everything looks like an Apple iStore now. 
But, it, you know, it used to be way more sketch to run a fucking shop and way more fucking robberies and that kind of shit happening. And um, it's like a first door you buzz in and then you're in the middle and you have to close the door behind you and then you buzz the second door. So you really control the access. You can, nobody can really bum rush your store with like 10 guys and hold the door open is the idea. Well, um, we were, it was like 11 o'clock at night. The shop was super closed. Like we were done, done. We we're in there chilling, smoking, cleaning some shit up. I think I was throwing away some trash or whatever. And uh, one of the employees went out the front, and I think he propped the front door with like a like a piece of wood so he can get right back in. And when he propped the front door, this dude came charging in the shop, and uh, he was stuck in the intersection of the deal, pushing the buzzer. And nobody looked because it was late at night, not thinking it was anything important. And somebody pushed that buzzer button, so dude charged in the shop. And he had a fucking piece in his waistband or whatever. But he seemed like it was very strange because he seemed like he was been there before. He knew the layout. He went straight to the back, straight to the back back area where like our safe was and our, you know, where we would hold our product, not really our dispensary area. And like he knew where to go, but he seemed disoriented, like maybe super high on something else. But at the same time, like he was kind of fumbly and fumbling around. My dude in the back back there doesn't play at all. This is L.A. He's this L.A. street guy. He had his piece, I guess, and he just pulled out his fucking Glock or whatever and racked it, like, and just the sound of it, the dude fucking turned around and tried to run out the shop, but again, he had to get buzzed out the shop. So now this dude's stuck in the store who tried this half-hearted bullshit robbery thing where, I mean, he did have even have his hand on the piece, but he wasn't, he never made a move for it, he never demanded anything weird, but his actions were so strange because he just barged in and went, and he kept saying, where's old girl at? Where's old girl at? And I'm just like, I don't know who the fuck old girl is, but you got to go, dude. And uh, yeah, he, as we buzzed him out, he kind of turned around and started puffing chest, talking shit or whatever. And I, I could never figure out what that was. If it was a robbery, if it was an attempted assault on somebody who wasn't there or what the fuck that was. But uh, the fact dude in the back had his piece definitely changed the entire thing because... I mean, who, that guy could have controlled the entire situation, being that he was the only one with a gun at the time in there. And, you know, uh, that gun prevented violence in that situation right there, that dude pulling that piece out. And all he had to do was rack it, and that was, that was a wrap on that. Um, here's another interesting thing that happened in the shop in L.A. where I grew an entire crop remotely. So this was part of my thing was, was like, how can, I, how can I run this grow? It was a small grow. I'm talking a vertical garden, four, 600 waters on a six-light track mover going up and down on ver uh, in a vertical shelves going up a wall. And I was trying to do it all through drip irrigation. And I used an early system, Growtronics, which is crap, but it worked at the time. And I literally was able to m fill reservoirs, mix newts, um, dose the newts into the reservoirs, and then feed through a drip irrigation system and watch it all on camera. And, uh, yeah, I would literally sit on my computer, pull up TeamViewer, pull up the fucking application in the cameras and watch the plants. And when they started to get a little wilty, I would hit them with water until I could see runoff coming. And I, other than going out once or twice to transplant and trellis, nobody went in that room once. I ran it all from a computer from over a thousand miles away. And, uh, it wasn't my best crop by any means, but it certainly wasn't fucking bad. And I was pretty stoked that I was growing weed. 100% remotely, selling it through a vending machine. Like, I was trying all kinds of innovative shit. I was trying to, you know, like, 
I don't know. I just thought like, who the fuck needs bud tenders? Let's fu- I'll grow my weed through a computer remotely. I'll have these grows all over the United States where I can control them from this laptop and run it my way through my SOP. And I could still do something similar today, but it was a definitely a small scale experiment as to how I can remotely control and operate an entire garden, um, essentially from thousands and thousands of miles away, which I effectively pulled it off. But I will say without getting in there and, you know, lollipop and thinning, uh, training, you know, I, we could have got a better yield, but I was able to teach people how to grow weed that didn't have any fucking clue that worked for me. I was like, go in the room. You see that? I'm going to turn the water on. Now you see this. I'm, you know, I was like, it was really simple, but I, I didn't have to rely on them to do anything. They never had to mix a single newt or do any of that shit. Um, but yeah, that was 2014 when it was pretty, I don't know. I had to get smart to make all that shit work. Now it's pretty standard to have that kind of shit going, right? <laughs> all right. So I think we're going to give away some more seeds. You guys have any questions, feel free to chat, type them out in the chat. I'm just sort of rambling at this point. But uh, yeah, I think we have two more packs to give away to make it a thousand bucks. So, uh, how was the weed buying process? The weed buying process was, um, it was cool. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I tried to make it where it was just like Denver, where it's like, bring me your weed and I'll sit in the back and I'll get the best weed here and I'll pay you and do, we can do consignment or I'll pay cash or whatever. But a lot of times I would just run the fuck out of weed. So I had to go to the homie down on like Third Street <laughs> where he had a mega shop. And I remember going in there and it was like, it was buying weed from another dispensary and you went to his back room and he had the most safes I've ever seen out of anybody. It was like a Hollywood movie. You walked in, it was lined with gun safes and you pull them all open. Goes, Those are the 32s. Those are the 28s. Those are the depths at, you know, 2000s or whatever. And me being this super white boy, whatever, fucking just bought a shop, fucking super mark. I could never get the good weed. They'd always like hold that back or wouldn't give it to me or whatever. But I was buying Louis and shit like King Louis, OGE and all that. I think around three at that time, 2014, 32 and happy to do it and then turn around and bring them to the shop. Um, so I had a place to go buy weed if I absolutely had to. But it was the worst price that, you know, like it was hard to make any money off of it. So I was getting custied to make it, you know, a thing. But I would do it as a trade off. You know, sometimes you had to go spend 20 grand just to keep your store stocked or whatever. It was, I don't know. It was uh, easier in my experience in Colorado to do it. But again, I came to a city that I know nothing about, showed up like a dipshit fucking, you know, in a rental car and a backpack full of cash and said, I'm going to run a business in this city and don't know anybody. Let me try to figure this out. And uh, we we made our way through or whatever. We cut our teeth a little bit, figured out how it works. Um, but yeah, the buying weed experience was it was a bit interesting. I'll say that much. Some of those times were like that's what I laugh about now when I see all the chads who are actually in the industry and shit. I was like, how many of you fucking people have been in a room with fucking seventeen super sketchy ass fucking dudes all holding a fucking gun while you're trying to buy like ten pounds of fucking King Louis in the fucking downtown L.A. And you don't know if you're the mark or like what the fuck's about to happen to you or whatever. It's like there's so many times you just walk into situations fucking hoping for the best. And I will say, honestly, I I never really got super fucked in any of those deals. Definitely been fucked many times. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It just takes fucking some guts sometimes. I don't fucking know. Or straight foolishness. If you ask me if I would do some of the shit I did back in the day all over again, answer is probably most certainly fuck no. I did some stupid shit to be able to fucking access some stuff back in the day. 
We did make a one small batch of seeds out there. I made it entirely remotely again. I came out and pollinated the crop. That was one thing I learned is I'm never going to get enough product out of this tiny little like grow where I can harvest, I don't know, fucking five pounds every 60 days. So I decided to seed it up quite a bit. I can't remember the cross. It's one of the earlier ones, a Grimace OG cross to something was made up there. Scott's OG crosses were made up there. Um, but I definitely was able to move my genetics back and forth and, uh, that's another thing. That's actually where I ended up meeting Stone Ninja. You know, there was tons of people that I met that are actually super dope that are my great friends still to this day. You know, like Ninja and I mean, when I met him, he funny story about Ninja is he took me to a he uh, I didn't even know him. He's like this dude wants to take you to a Korean restaurant. Anybody who really knows me knows I don't eat fucking shit for shit. Like I'm plain Jane as it gets, dude. Don't put onions on my shit, lettuce, tomatoes, nothing. I want it plain, dude, and I don't want fucking any weird shit i just don't so when they said korean food i'm like ah, you know i can't eat none of that shit i'm not gonna eat none of that shit or whatever and uh anyway i went to be polite and then just fucking ordering all this fucking food up or whatever i'll tell you one thing that food was fucking bomb in koreatown i can't remember the restaurant ninja will tell you if you ask him food was fucking bomb changed my mind on some korean food and uh then he snuck over and paid the fucking bill and i was like who the fuck is this kid and he worked at another shop down the way and uh ninja was a super chill fucking dude still is if you don't know you have Ninja will follow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Seed giveaway. That was the idea. Uh, what do we want to give away for the last one? Let's do a quick check-in on the old Nugs. 3127. Denver is down. Second quarter. 10.04. Come on, Coach Malone. All right. Let me find my seeds. You guys watch the Nuggets. Party monster. Two more of these. Yeah, Mosca, it was Korean. Korean barbecue, and it was bomb. All right, party monster. Let's get that off the screen before I get kicked the fuck out or off. Uh, Close-up cam. There's a, there's a THC fucking THCs are spotting. Logo sighting. Party monsters. What do you know about it? Uh, how about this one? We're going. Nugs are making the playoffs. How about playoffs? Playoffs, baby. Uh, yeah. Party monster. Free shit email going across your screen here in a second. Let me find that button. Boom. Button is pushed. Free shit email going across your screen. Dark horse genetics live at gmail.com. Um, uh, in the subject line, right? Playoffs. You talking playoffs? Uh, yeah. And uh, you shall win. I'm gonna give away two of these, which makes that officially a thousand fucking dollars today, folks. There's a G bar out the door. All right. I think that's a fucking wrap. Any questions regarding L.A., starting a shop, stupid shit that I did? Um, we were happy to get out of there, happy to learn a lot, met a lot of cool people, learned how gang life works in L.A. Is Bruce Banner your best work yet? Yeah, Bruce Banner's the best work, probably, because, I don't know, it made me everything, it gave me everything that I have, so, I don't know. 
it's hard to go against like the classics. You know what I mean? All right, shit. There's also a good uh, UFC fight this weekend, dude. Uh, just throw it out in the chat. Uh, DC or Stipe? DC or Stipe? If you can predict the round, here's a bonus seat pack. Bonus seat pack. If you can predict the round and the method of victory, I will give you one of everything we gave away today. I even have a sound effect for that. One of everything we gave away. That was probably so fucking loud in your ear holes. So, hope you all enjoyed that. <laughs> Word, guys. Uh, that's episode 27. Fucking, yeah. Um, come back uh, next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll do this shits again. Every Wednesday, if you guys haven't, and we have a few minutes here, if you haven't uh, checked these shows out or your first time watching this shit, you feel free to check out YouTube channel or Twitch. Probably on YouTube is the best way to watch the back episodes, but we've talked about tons of crazy fucked up shit on this episode or on this show from the beginning of, uh, what, half a million dollar fucking con artists in Vegas and fucking ripoffs to dudes who are pure scumbags to how to grow half a pound every two weeks to voodoo spiritual shit to... Breeder interviews from cool breeders. We've talked about how to make autos. We've talked, fuck, man, I i don't know. We've given you the dirt, dude, and uh, hopefully we continue to do it. Hopefully you guys like it, and I think with that, I'm going to sign this fucker off. I will I'll say I have noticed it's super hard for me to smoke a joint and talk nonstop, so now is my turn to smoke this and watch the nugs. All right, everybody, go fucker nuggets. See you next time. Same uh, bat channel, same bat time next week. Peace.